Hey there, and welcome to Hormonally Speaking. I'm your host, Christine Garvin, a functional health coach. Each week, I speak with an incredible guest expert on all things women's hormones. We're here to empower you to take back control of your body, health, and well-being, and to learn about the latest in research and solutions when it comes to getting your hormones happy. No part of this podcast should be construed as medical advice, and we always recommend working with a professional practitioner to figure out what's best for your body. Now let's dive in with today's guest. Hey there, welcome to this week's episode of Hormonally Speaking. I'm happy that you're here with us as always. Um, I'm really looking forward to the conversation that I'm getting ready to have today because it's actually one of my favorite topics, which is talking about estrogen and estrogen metabolism specifically, because this is something that I personally have not seen a lot of in the allopathic world, um, the importance of how the estrogen metabolizes and how that impacts all kinds of different things when it comes to our menstrual cycle. And then specifically today, we're going to be talking about breast cancer. So it all is so important for us to understand on a different level. I think then we have, you've, if you've listened to the podcast for a while, you've talked, you've heard me talking about how estrogen metabolism impacts fibroid growth and ovarian cysts, but we're really going to dive deep into this area that impacts so many women today, and that's breast cancer. So my guest is TJ Hills, who is the author of Amazon of the Amazon books bestseller, Sex, Drugs, Babies, and Breast Cancer, Health Benefits of Estrogen Gene Testing, published by the Better Estrogen Foundation. TJ Hills is an advocate of estrogen metabolism gene testing as an empowering health tool for all women and a breast cancer prevention tool for those that are higher at risk. Information about where to obtain testing is at www.betterestrogen.com. The book was adapted from her speeches to corporate events, medical conferences, and breast cancer and women's groups. She has also spoken on national TV, radio outlets, and podcasts. A breast cancer patient in remission since 2009, she is a board member of the Better Estrogen Foundation and former board member of the Estrogen Gene Test Company and Hormonal Cancer Foundation. She has spent 30 plus years advising the largest institutional investors and hedge funds. Inquiries about her availability to speak at an event may be directed to info at betterestrogen.com. Welcome, TJ. Thank you. So excited to have I'm you so, here. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. That was a long introduction. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I love, you know, sometimes I know there's been a few times that I've read people's bios and later they're like, wow, okay, that was a lot. But I think it's cool and important for listeners to know um, the history that you have, you know, with this subject and um, that it seems like you have really talked about it to maybe um, physicians and other people that may not have known that information beforehand. Yes, a lot. Yeah, I bet, I bet. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> so why don't we start off with your story? Because I know that you um, suffered from breast cancer yourself and sort of how you found yourself on this path. Um, okay, well, um, I'd, I'd like to start a little bit before Perfect. my breast cancer diagnosis because um, the reason I do this work and the reason I've continued to do this work all of these years is because I am firmly convinced that if I had known about this testing, if I had known about estrogen gene metabolism testing, if I had known even about estrogen metabolism testing back then, mm -hmm. um, and I had gotten some help 
earlier on when I had a lot of warning signals, or I think what you uh, what you've referred to as your body's blowing smoke signals to you. Um, I had a lot of smoke signals. I had mm. a I had a fire, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't do that much about it. And so the reason that I keep talking about this is because I I really think that women can get help. Um, so what happened to me was um, about roughly about two years before my diagnosis, um, I. I became like extremely tired and I had um, increasingly severe uh, irregular bleeding. Mm. And neither of those conditions are something of my life. Like I have always been like hyper energetic. Um, I had had been mm-hmm. hyper energetic mm-hmm. um, and I'd never had um, irregular bleeding, although, you know, I was on the pill for 20 years. So who would know really, but but when I was off of it, I did, you know, so those are two conditions that I didn't suffer from Mm -hmm. and they became increasingly severe. Like I was wiped out and I am still, um, like a super mom, uh, and I've had migraines my whole life. Mm -hmm. So, um, so when I started to ask for help, it was because my migraines were like interfering in my super mom activities. Right. Um, And then things really fell apart. And my husband was becoming increasingly alarmed at what was happening to me. And my husband, who's like never around, actually made an appointment for me finally Mm -hmm. at a functional medicine doctor down the street from where we live, took me to the appointment. Wow. And, and she um, gave me um, like, without a lot of information, like, you know, basically said here, we're going to, we're going to get you off the pill. Cause they'd put me on the pill to stop the irregular bleeding, right. which was making everything way worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and she gave me, I just me want to point this, out that happens a lot that in, in yeah. doctors use it to stop the bleeding, but it goes the other way. Well, you know, the other thing is that, you know, the few doctors who I did go to see, um, basically pronounced me perimenopausal. Right. But how, you know, how old what, were you at the time? At the time when this was happening, I was between like I was 41, 42, and then 43. Like basically when I was diagnosed, I just turned, I turned 44 in the diagnosis. Gotcha. Um, and, you know, I'm talking to my mother, we're going through everyone's history. Like no one had ever started menopause until their late fifties mm, in my family. Wow. So I was like, no, yeah, like, this is not, this is not perimenopause. This is something else. And basically I didn't get um, validation. Um, Mm -hmm. when I went to the functional medicine doctor, she wound up putting me on this thing called indole three carbonyl, Mm -hmm. which I can talk about, um, which is like in the dim pro in the dim family Mm -hmm. or, uh, um, a precursor. Mm -hmm. And so I, um, I started taking that, got off the pill. This all went on really quickly within a few weeks. And about, I don't know, I want to say within like six, seven weeks of meeting her, I found a lump in my breast. Oh, wow. And so it was too late. So literally I got help right before my diagnosis Mm. and, and it started helping. Like it got me off the pill. I mean, really within a few weeks, Yeah, got me off the pill, you know, the irregular bleeding, you know, like it's, it was going to be a long course, but you know, I always am really highly motivated by the thought of if I had gotten help earlier, would I have had a much lesser diagnosis? Um, or would I have not been diagnosed at all? 
Right. Like if I had really gotten help way earlier. Right. Um, and so that's what I talk about a lot. So my actual diagnosis, uh, you know, I found the lump myself um, and I have stage three estrogen receptor positive estrogen and progesterone receptor, highly positive, very aggressive cancer. Oh, wow. Wow. So then what happened next in that situation? Um, so I had, um, I wasn't taking it seriously because I had had, um, like a cyst in my breast removed when I was about 20 Mm -hmm. and there's no cancer in my family whatsoever. Like none, none. They're absolutely in at that time that's changed. But at that time there was no cancer whatsoever. In fact, it was just like a bizarre word. Like, what do you mean cancer? And like, you know, like, what are you talking about? So it was like this feeling of disbelief. So I didn't take it seriously at first. And I went, I, you know, I live right outside New York city. I have access to some of the best um, surgeons and hospitals in the country, if not mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. I wound up going to some little local community hospital and I had a botched first surgery. Oh, no. um, and so the guy cut through the middle of my tumor. Um, so basically when that happens, right. it's like you're perforating the cancer, right? Mm-hmm. Allowing it to spread mm-hmm. more rapidly. Um, he didn't leave markers. Um, and, and when I woke up and I, I, you know, we had an agreement because I didn't want a needle biopsy. Cause I'm like, well, then the thing's got to come out anyway. Right. So let's just get it out. Right. But he didn't take it out. He, he perforated it, basically took a biopsy from it, perforated it, didn't leave markers. And um, I wound up having to have two more surgeries because of the botched first surgery. And because um, so the reason I leave all my financial background in there is because I want my audience to know that I do research and data research for like the most exacting minds in finance. Mm-hmm. And I did like absolutely none of that on myself. Mm. Why do you think that is? You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, I think, uh, you know, I've had a lot of time to think about this. Mm-hmm. And I think when first, I think when you're younger, you're like immortal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, I'd had a lot of sports injuries, but I'd never and never had anything like actually wrong with me apart from like big sports injuries, which right. were, you know, sports injuries. Um, and um, it didn't occur to me. Also, um, in my journey of, of how I wound up getting to the irregular bleeding, fatigue, et cetera, I trusted all the doctors that were involved. Sure. And I never really second guessed them. You know, what I did is I went to what I consider to be the best mm-hmm. doctors. I did, you know, basically did a little bit of research um, um, and trusted them once I got to them. Right. And I think that that, that was what I didn't do, um, you know, when I had the first surgery. I also think that when you're sick, uh, it's really hard to make good decisions yeah. and even take care of yourself in the way that you would normally. Hundred percent. Yeah. You know, I think it's really, really hard mm-hmm. to, um, you know, because we want to have these healthy bodies and we want to do what's best for ourselves. And nobody is like, no matter how messed up they are in their head, really actually going out to physically sabotage themselves. Yeah. 
by trusting the medical right. community. You just want to be better. You just <laughs> yeah. want to be better. Yeah. You're doing the best you can, but when you're sick, you're impaired. Yep. Um, so after that botched surgery, I did like, I, I interviewed every single surgeon in New York city, mm-hmm. went to every single hospital, did it for chemo as well. Mm-hmm. You know, do it constantly. Never really have stopped. I'm like, mm-hmm your crazy ex-girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> like I'm constantly stalking. Like I watch all these medical videos and I'm like still trying to determine if I had to go through that. Mm-hmm. And for me, unfortunately, unfortunately, or fortunately, the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. So then you ended up having two more surgeries. Did you end up getting the tumor and uh, other tissue removed at that point? Right. So I had, um, I had two more lumpectomies mm-hmm. and I had an axillary dissection, which is when you have the lymph nodes, um, removed. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I had, um, I did not have full chemo because I almost died a few times in the process. And then I did have full radiation. Okay. And so how long a period was this between all the surgeries and chemo and radiation? Um, I found a lump in February mm-hmm. and, um, and, you know, just an aside, um, they wouldn't give me the, the, um, sorry, having a brain freeze, um, sorry. the mammogram, mm. they wouldn't do the mammogram until I was at a certain point in my cycle. Huh? Okay. Right. Like back then. Right. And it was like, okay. Like no yeah. one was worried about it. Right. <laughs> it wasn't just me. Like nobody was worried about it. So yeah. they made me wait. So between finding the lump and finishing radiation was like the beginning of February to the September 30th. Wow. Okay. That was pretty, I mean, so you had three surgeries during that time, essentially. I had three surgeries, had some complications there, had yeah. tried to have a full round of chemo had a lot of complications and then, you know, you have like a little break period and radiation. Yeah. Wow. That's so much on your body. So then at what point were you declared, you know, I know that they can't ever really declare you cancer free for the long term, but I like to call it remission remission. Yeah. I think the old word really stands in line. Yeah. Um, And one of the reasons, you know, just to address that, one of the reasons I like to use that word is because I think it's really important for cancer patients to not think they're cancer free, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and to continue to be mindful of, you know, everything they're doing to their bodies for the rest of their lives, whether you're diagnosed at stage zero or one or four. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a life. I mean, it's, I, I mean, my view might be a little harsh. But, you know, I think, I think it's really important. I mean, yeah. I know a lot of women who the cancers come back like a long time right. later Absolutely. and it's because they thought they were normal. Right. It, in some ways, it's almost like autoimmunity. It's like, yes, you do the right things and you can keep your body in good working order. But if you start to sort of go back to the old ways, then it allows the symptomology to, to come back up exactly how it is. I mean, cancer in my mind is a chronic illness Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it should be treated as such. It's not like an episodic thing that, Oh, this happened to me. And now it doesn't exist in my body anymore. Right. Right. Absolutely. So then at what point did you determine, okay, I want to figure out more of this. How, How did you come upon the estrogen metabolism piece of it? 
So I was super, super lucky. It wasn't by my own, my own doing when, once I had that botched surgery, mm-hmm. I basically went back to every doctor who I had ever liked or trusted in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was referred to a biochemist by one of my old internists. Mm. And so I met him and he was doing research with, well, research and treating um, a cohort of the Birchett Marines. So wow. he had been doing um, not just estrogen metabolism, gene testing, but other, other gene testing mm-hmm. on this like cohort of, of retired Merchant Marine females. And so they were older. I mean, this is just one section of yeah. what he was doing. Um, and so he had, Very he cool. had had um, maybe at the time around 200 women. Okay. He'd been working with them for a long time. And, you know, the numbers back then were not as specific as they are now because none of the, uh, none of the like actual individualized testing was available. Mm. So the overall prognosis for everybody with that kind of cancer, mine being like on this end, but even in the middle or lesser cancers, um, is that, you know, you have a 30% chance of it coming back within five years. And so over the course, he had been working with these women for a really long time and he hadn't had a single recurrence. Oh, wow. And, and so I was like, well, I got to know more about that. So, you know, he, his attitude was actually like, so he did the initial testing, et cetera, on me, talked to me about the program, but I didn't actually begin doing any of this till after treatment stopped. Right. You know, there's a big debate in the medical community, even in the, especially in the holistic medical community about whether or not you try and keep the healthy, try and keep the patient healthy while they're in chemo and radiation or let them be poisoned completely. Yeah. And he was in the, let them be poisoned completely camp. So (laughs) um, it's because they don't want to get in the way of the treatment. Is that the basic reason? You know, like for example, so there's some debate about um, like, for example, one of the things you can do when you're in chemo is do high, um, you can do IV infusions Mm -hmm. of vitamin C Mm -hmm. or take, take, you know, just take really high doses of some antioxidant. Um, but there's debate in the community about, well, you know, you know, the point of chemo is to poison, right. Is to poison. And so if you're making the tissue healthier at the same time, then are you abrogating, you know, the, the point of the chemo? Right. Right. So, and this debate kind of continues. I mean, there's a really big arguments on both sides. I can imagine. On, on both <laughs> sides about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So then you were finished with your treatment and decided to go work with him at that point. So what I did is I did a huge amount of research because now I'm in my, I put my hat on mm-hmm. after the botched surgery and I did a huge amount of my research on adjunct treatments. I don't want to call them alternative, but they're adjunct because mm-hmm. when I came out of that, I still had a 30% uh, chance of recurrence within five years. Right. And in my fa- in my case, there were no numbers at the time because I didn't have some of the individualized testing. I didn't qualify for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I hadn't completed chemo, you could argue that I potentially had higher risk. Right. right. So, so I'm in again, I'm right outside New York city. Um, and there's all kinds of stuff at the time and still going on. So there's stem cell treatment work, there's cancer vaccine work, which is kind of the same. There's, um, there's, um, 
at the time, there was a big, big study of adding bisphosphonates afterward. Hmm. So, you know, bone density treatment oh, drugs, okay. mm-hmm. there was a big study going on, which I didn't qualify for because of timing, but you know, that was a big thing at the time, which I got prepared for. Um, and then, um, so I started actually studying the research behind mm-hmm. all of these adjunct treatments. And I, and I looked at some other things, which were really, really in developmental stages, um, And I basically decided that the research behind the estrogen uh, metabolism adjunct treatment Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, was more robust. I mean, you had like decades of work, decades of work. um, And the other stuff was really in its infancy. And there there was, and still is kind of no data. Like immunotherapy Mm -hmm. hadn't started yet in Mm -hmm. commercial use, but, you know, the concepts behind it, and you could get into some of that. Mm-hmm. But there's all kinds of things. Like for example, even taking metformin forever. Right. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so so I really, I really delved into all the research and I decided that uh, this was the course that I was going to pursue as an adjunct treatment. Gotcha. So what did that all entail? Me doing research? No, no, no. Uh, the treatment. The the, the treatment's really easy. I mean mm-hmm. basically, you know, you have a gene test mm-hmm. there. You're looking at, you're looking at a small panel of genes. It's mm-hmm. a, it's, it's not a gene. It's a mm-hmm. panel of genes, mm-hmm. right? Because you're, it's just metabolism genes. Right. It's just specific places on metabolism genes. Right. And you know, what you're looking at is your ability to excrete excess estrogen in your urine, primarily, you know, a little bit in your sweat mm-hmm. and that's it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. So based on the mutations I had in my genes, and I had every single one of them. In mm. fact, in fact, I didn't just have mutations. Some of the damage was that the gene was actually missing. Whoa. Wow. So yeah, like I, you know, my body had like wiped it out. Yeah. Um, and so um, you know, bottom line, the treatment's really simple. You're talking about like taking a fish oil. Mm-hmm. Um, the biochemist I was working with feels pretty strongly about taking bioresponse dim because, mm-hmm. um, because it's, it, it, it allow, you know, your body will take it in or absorb it better mm-hmm. than some of the other things. That's what probably, is, can I ask what bioresponse? I haven't heard bioresponse dim. So bioresponse is basically, they add, they add a few ingredients okay. with the dim mm-hmm. to allow for better absorption. Okay. So for example, there's, there's a bunch of studies on DIM and the researchers always use bioresponse DIM. Gotcha. Right. Because, because, because DIM is harder to metabolize, but if you can get it in uh, harder for absorption, mm-hmm. like that's why, you know, indole three carbonyl is used or mm-hmm. pantothetic acid is used. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you get the bioresponse in the DIM, then the body's ability to absorb it is higher. Gotcha. So, and a really strong antioxidant. So basically you know, all my gobs of research running the gene testing company, et cetera, you know, you're talking about like what I do for this particular part of my body mm-hmm. is, um, I take like really high doses of vitamin C mm-hmm. I take my Dempro mm-hmm. and I take fish oil and that's it. That is the treatment. Can I ask you, because there's a lot of debate, I think sometimes around how much DIM you should take. Um, and obviously this is individualized, but in your case, how much, you know, daily is the DIM? What's the milligrams that you're taking? Um, I am taking, 
like 300 milligrams 300 okay yeah yeah and then the fish oil are you around 1000 2000 milligrams or do you go higher than that i am like 1500 twice a day okay gotcha and then the vitamin c is that you do it multiple times a day no i have i take time release, time release. vitamin c um so basically I do my supplements in the morning and night. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so vitamin C can interfere with your sleep. So I, I load up in the morning. Gotcha. Um, so I probably take like 2000 okay. in the morning mm -hmm. and then maybe 500 or a thousand at night. Okay. And, uh, did, what do you think about glutathione as an option? If you didn't do vitamin C, cause I know some, you know, there's C so many, antioxidants. So, mm -hmm. you know, and I've experimented with a bunch of them. So, mm -hmm. you know, you have resveratrol, you mm -hmm. have glutathione, you know, I used to put the cream on my stomach. Mm -hmm. Um, you have NAC, you've got, you know, you've got like a whole host of them. And mm -hmm. I, I think it doesn't matter mm -hmm. as long as you're doing something, as long as you're, you know, I mean, yeah. like every physician or nutritionist or healthcare professional has got a preferred Mm -hmm. um, has got a preferred antioxidant. And mm -hmm. so, and also every patient's got other things going on. Right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, the genes specifically, I know there's, they all work together, you know, there's multiple factors here, but we've talked about COMPT here before on the podcast. And of course, MTHFR can be often mixed with when you have a comped variation, you know, you often will see that MTHFR too. So what are, what are the other genes and, and what showed up on your test? So basically um, you're looking at like two levels of detoxification mm -hmm. or, you know, to put it simply like your ability to urinate out toxins, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the first phase is primarily from the CYP family. So mm -hmm. you're looking at CYP1A1, 1B1, 3A4. Those are the primary phase one detoxification genes, mm -hmm. right? Then you're looking at basically the GST family, right? Mm -hmm. So you're looking at GSTM1, there's like a two, there's GSTPP, um, MNSOD, Okay. And, mm -hmm. and of the ones you mentioned, you're mm -hmm. also looking at COMT. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. COMT so you, is like one of those genes that is implicated in everything. Right. <laughs> right. It's like magnesium, right? It's like, <laughs> right. okay. Just throw know. it on there. <laughs> right. Um, so, but you know, if I'm going to get technical. Yeah. Go ahead and get technical. Um, Let's, let's like talk about like some of the things that they tell you to do for cancer prevention. Sure. Um, and what they do is they line up completely with your gene mutations. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not just cancer prevention, it's overall health. Like, so for example, if you're going to improve your estrogen metabolism for fibroid tumors or irregular bleeding or ovarian cysts, et cetera, mm -hmm. you know, the CYP family is the, is the part that's responding to the DIM. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and dim is basically broccoli, right? It's broccoli, yeah. it's mustard, it's cauliflower, yeah. it's all those cruciferous you know, vegetables. greens. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so, you know, so you'll see that like, you know, once you have cancer or all the stuff will start popping up, like, Oh, do this, but you know, you can't eat a room full of broccoli. No. <laughs> and so, Your thyroid so, would hate you. <laughs> right. So if you have an illness related to this, like breast cancer or ovarian cysts or fibroid tumors or polycystic ovarian syndrome, et cetera 
then you know you can take this to get the equivalent of eating a room full of broccoli. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know so and then if you go to the phase two genes, which is the GS, you know, to mm-hmm. simplify it, there's mm-hmm. other ones, right? But mm-hmm. the GST M family, GST family. Um, that all relates to the antioxidants. And that also relates to your ability to like um, process out or excrete out um, all the xenoestrogens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you're looking at, you know, how, you know, depending on how many mutations you have there, that would also determine, because it's not, you know, so the thing I didn't talk about is, you know, you have the supplements, mm-hmm. but then, you know, by knowing, how many genes you have mutations on in that second phase or in the GST phase to oversimplify it. Mm-hmm. Um, then you know how careful you have to be about all your products because we've got, chemicals. we've got chemicals, which, you know, basically mimic estrogen in America, not everywhere, but in yeah. America, like literally all around us. Everywhere. Like in our yeah. food and in our water. In and, our bed. Um, yeah, <laughs> our like mattress. in our furniture, yeah. in our, you know, like in our skincare. But, you know, you have to be like more careful the closer it is. So, yeah. you know, if you're yeah. ingesting it or you're putting it on your face or your yeah. creams or your sunscreen, like then you're really getting more of a load. Yeah. Yeah. So based on like the amount of mutations you have in that, in that family of genes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then you know how really careful you have to be to about be. all of the xenoestrogens that are coming at you everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. I had a client recently um, say to me who she just recently got on um, some bioidenticals that were creams. And she was like, that was the first time she understood how impactful things that we put on our skin are right. I think that that it's only then where you're like, yeah, if I put that little bit of cream on my skin and those hormones are getting into my body, it's like everything I put on my skin is getting into my body, you know? And I think it's, it's, we've just been taught if it smells good, you know, go for it kind of a situation. And there's so many chemicals involved in just that smell. (laughs) Right. Right. The last thing you want to do is smell good. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know. Use some essential oils. It'll be fine. Right. Don't smell good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Don't smell good. Don't have a nice lawn. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Grow some food on that lawn. Um, So at what point, like, did you start taking those things? And one thing I kind of want to bring up about DIM is that I know it can also you know, impact overall estrogen, right? Not just the estrogen metabolism. It can bring down the levels of estrogen. So how did that play out for you? Did you ultimately want to keep your estrogen as low as you can? Um, or did it not impact your estrogen quite as much? So you interrupt me whenever you want. Okay. Um, but (laughs) so, 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 um, when I went through chemo, Mm -hmm. Um, immediately first, Mm -hmm. first, um, first round, I went into chemical, what's called chemical castration, right? So it's the equivalent of having a, cause you had all those genes that are like, we can't handle this. (laughs) No, no, it's, it's common. Like that's like, no, it's the, it's the secret. Nobody tells you about. Well, my, my uncle died from complications from cancer, AKA chemo. chemo. Yeah. 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 So, so I went into chemical castration. So I basically had the equivalent of a hysterectomy um, when I was 43, mm-hmm. I think, I think, I think I can't remember, but I think mm-hmm. my first, oh, okay, was actually right. on my 44th birthday. Gotcha. Um, anyway, 
Um, so when that happens, right, and then they'll spend a year, given my age, seeing mm -hmm. if there's mm -hmm. any restoration of activity. Sure. Um, because then if there is, they have to wipe it out. Um, right. But but let's just say, let's, you know, let's oversimplify this and mm -hmm. let's say you're either premenopausal or you're menopausal, mm -hmm. right? So for me, I was immediately menopausal. Mm -hmm. So right. I had the equivalent of a hysterectomy and then your levels immediately drop and they right. become meaningless. So, right. so you can have really low levels of point in time estrogen, mm -hmm. right? So that's blood, urine, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's point in time. Right. It's just that actual moment. Mm -hmm. You can have really low levels of estrogen, like actual, like absolute levels of estrogen and still have a metabolism problem. Absolutely. It can still be going down the wrong pathways and mm -hmm. still not be coming out correctly, especially if you've had like prior exposures to, you know, hormone therapy and infertility drugs or old birth control pills mm -hmm. and even bioidentical, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. depending on how many mutations you have. Right. When you're premenopausal, those, those uh, levels, the point in time levels are all over the map all the time within a day, mm -hmm. certainly within a cycle. Mm -hmm. So the reason why I promote estrogen gene metabolism testing is because it removes the point in time issues, right? Um, and so, you know, like, so, you know, for your life, what you're dealing with, mm -hmm. and then, you know, you can go ahead and treat the point in time issues, mm -hmm. but if you have a condition, right. If you have a certain condition, like the ones we talked about, um, irregular bleeding, the tumors, the, you know, and, and at the end of the line, breast cancer, right? Mm -hmm. Cause you know, it is the end of the line because you know, cancer is right. the only one on that spectrum that you can die from. Right. Um, you know, this is for your life and you're going to have to be dealing with this and improving that function in your body. If you're sick or right. if you have a condition, you know, you're going to not want to eat just a lot of broccoli in your life, but actually take something like Dimpro. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, so the absolute levels if you have these genetic mutations don't necessarily matter. Right. right. And then once you're a cancer patient, you cannot systemically go ahead and try and raise them mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. there's too much debate about it. You know, right. like right. there's too much debate yeah. about the validity of all of the studies. Yeah. And so if you, you know, I mean, some people would say, yeah, go ahead and go on HRT with cancer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. But, mm -hmm. but. Right. There, there's, there's too much uncertainty. Yeah. Um, and so in principle, cancer patients don't go about raising systemically raising their estrogen, their levels. estrogens. Yeah. And then in your case, you said you were both estrogen and progesterone positive, positive. Right. right? And so in that case, you also wouldn't want to do bioidentical progesterone either. Right. So, mm -hmm. so in my long course, right. So mm -hmm. then, you know, you're the, the first thing that happens in, in treatment is you're mm -hmm. going through menopause with no help whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Right. So you're right. having cancer treatment, but you're also going through the equivalent of having a young hysterectomy. Right. Um, and you can't have any help at all. Yeah. And so, and, and mind you, when I was going through this, I also wasn't doing what I'm talking about. Right. Because, you know, you I was, they yeah, were on no. the, yeah. let the poison work. Uh, right. First. <laughs> So, um, 
if you like in my long course, the only thing that, you know, has basically been agreed upon mm-hmm. is like some estriol okay. and, yeah. or your, you know, I don't know if you want to explain for your listeners what the difference is between estrogen, like, you know, estrogen right. is just a group of hormones. Right. Right. And, and when is, we say it, yeah. we really mean estradiol. Right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah. But the estriol is weak. Weak. Yeah. And it's the only thing in all of these years, which I've used. Do you use it systemically or just, I know no, a lot of women I'm will o- use it just the vaginally. The only reason I'm allowed yeah. to use it is um, because the vaginal dryness Tissue. will get so bad, yeah. you know, it's impairing yeah. my ability to function, right? Yeah, I have, so, I have a couple of clients that have gone through that. And it's, especially when you're so young, it's it's debilitating. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. And so so that's basically for me, and, you know, there is, there is a lot of le- very legitimate debate on this issue. Right. And I would encourage, you know, anyone to get into examining all of those issues. Right. But for me personally, at this spectrum of, of a cancer diagnosis, you know, there's no room, there's no room for experimentation. Right. Right. Absolutely. So, 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 but, you know, that doesn't mean like DIM is one of the things that can really help. Right. I mean, DIM really helps with menopausal symptoms. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know sometimes women, you know, that will go on hormone um, replacement therapy, obviously, you know, not necessarily with cancer in their family or having had cancer themselves, still taking DIM and because of their estrogen metabolism, not doing well, you know, it's like, especially if you're bringing it in. I think, so I, I really am a proponent of everybody in the world getting this test. Mm-hmm. And I think that, so like, you know, you had this huge, it was like a 75% drop off in mm-hmm. prescriptions given after the WHI yep. study, which is like really, really debated. And, 100%. You know, yep. <laughs> um, and, and I know a ton of people who, who don't take HRT because mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's basically it, it, you know, I don't, I don't want to get into all of the politics around it or, yeah. or the debate about it, but in some ways, you know, they've come out with statements later saying yep. no. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so I think if everybody had estrogen gene metabolism testing, you would have a surge in HRT and bioidentical mm-hmm. prescriptions, right? Mm-hmm. Cause there's mm-hmm. other, there's other problems with HRT. Right. You, know, you don't have to go to the end, the end of the line with strokes and breast cancer and you don't have to go all that. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. But even with bioidenticals, if you've got mutations on every single gene, that doesn't mean they're safe either. Absolutely. Cause it's still bringing, so why not get the information, you know, get the gene test Mm -hmm. and then no. And then if you've got like serious problems, like, you know, vaginal atrophy so bad, you know, you can't walk or, you know, um, then, then you can do what you're talking about, like be doing be taking hormone replacement, bio or, or pharma mm-hmm. and be improving your estrogen metabolism yep. at the same time to give you some like, you know, comfort. Yep, absolutely. And I, you know, I encourage women who also have, you know, fibroid growth. It's another really important thing to understand your estrogen metabolism, you know, because particularly if you do what I did and had a myomectomy, you know, they're just going to come back. 
<laughs> if you're not right. processing that right. estrogen, same thing with ovarian cysts and everything else, you know? And so sometimes people were like, well, do I have to take dim forever? And I'm like, well, it, you, <laughs> you may have to at least till menopause, you know, and we'll, we'll see where things are at that point. But um, I, I think exactly what you're saying. It's such a huge component that's been missed out on, but I think now there's more tests available, right? So can you tell us more about the testing? Yeah. And you know, the one thing, um, ironically, mm -hmm. uh, because my sister's a major sufferer for, the one thing we haven't kept mentioning is endometriosis. Oh yes. Yeah. Um, yes. yeah. I mean, cause I would actually put that at the top of the list. hundred um, percent. Yep. And I put breast cancer at the bottom. Right. Oh, wow. You know, yeah. so like endometriosis yeah. and fiber tumors mm -hmm. and right. Because those are more frequent, right. Yes. Breast cancer mm -hmm. is breast cancer is relatively infrequent. Right. Right. You know, like if mm -hmm. you start stratifying the ages, Right. Um, and one of the reasons that risk goes up is because of this whole, you know, if 80, if you're 80 years old and you have like, you know, excess estrogens recirculating because, you know, we live in America, mm -hmm. you know, that builds up over time. Yep. If you Absolutely. haven't had any of the drug exposures. Yep. Um, but I think if you have the information, then, you know, that you have to stay on it for the rest of your life. So yeah. if you're, if you're completely healthy, if you're completely healthy and you have every single mutation and you have none of these conditions running in your family and you leave a pristinely organic protected <laughs> life somewhere. I like where, I don't know where, but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. maybe in Vermont or yeah. upstate somewhere, yeah, yeah. You know, a different country. Yeah. Yeah. Or you're yeah. in Europe, yeah. you know, yep. or mm -hmm. you're in Europe. Um, then, you know, maybe you don't have to take this. Right. But if you have any of these conditions and you have all of the mutations, then yes, it is yep. for life. And that's the other reason why I, I really promote the test because, you know, I think it's a big deal to tell, tell somebody, hey, take Dimpro for the rest of your life. Absolutely. It's yeah. still a drug. Yep. yep. You know, in my mind, it's still a drug. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So then what are, you've talked about the genetic tests that you oversee. Is that correct? So no, so oh, that, okay. that company is long gone. Okay. Um, so the testing companies that are out there, thank God there's, there, there are a lot more mm -hmm. and the ones on my website, which mm -hmm. is betterestrogen.com mm -hmm. or betterestrogen.org um, are, there's like a half a dozen of them. Mm -hmm. Now you need a, you need a medical professionals oversight. So mm -hmm. they have to order it, but mm -hmm. there's like at least two of those companies where their physician will do it for you. Yeah. So you can actually have an online consultation with their physician. They'll go through the test results with you. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you know, someone like you has to order it. Right. So and I just I, was recently trained in three by four. So I'm just oh, starting perfect. to use that one. Yeah. And so three by four is great because they actually force you to go through your entire genome right. panel, you know, right. because she, she thinks that, you know, your genes will tell you where you ought to be paying more attention. Absolutely. Yeah. And right. I like, I mean, they, it's very well done, I think in terms of, um, you know, some of these older genetic tests, obviously they kind of just told you like, all right, here are the genetic mutations or variations, but this one, because they categorize it and make it really pretty, it's definitely easier yes. to, to, you know, take in and understand. Right. And so that's, that's one of the ones that's up there. Mm -hmm. And I only have a handful of them because I'm, I will only put up on my site, the ones which I feel where first they're using the correct SNP, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, 
the genes that I'm talking about are responsible for metabolism period. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's, there's like a lot of places to be tested on each one of those CYP, 1A1, 1B1, et cetera. And so, you know, so I'm talking about looking for that specific place Mm -hmm. at the end of the line. There are also like interpretation services for 23andMe mm-hmm. and um, Ancestry DNA, where you can take the data that they give you in those tests and run it through, run it through the interpretation panels. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that may give you, but you know, they're not there. I, I really hesitate. Um, I, I talk about it a little bit in the website, but I really hesitate to recommend that because I'm talking about something really, really specific mm-hmm. that might might require you to take supplements for the rest of your life. Right. And so you ought to know the place and that's not what's happening in the 23 and me. They're, they're just doing a certain place. Right. And I, I think it's really hard for people, you know, who haven't studied um, this is that, you know, there's genes, like people confuse it. Like BRCA is a hereditary gene Mm -hmm. that they're looking for Mm -hmm. and everything you and I are talking about is, is not necessarily hereditary. Right. You know, yep. These are what they're called modifiable genes. So they can become damaged over your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, methylation. (laughs) what? Oh, methylation (laughs) and figuring all, you know, yeah, it's, it's fascinating though, too, because I think, you know, I mean, the, this epigenetics component essentially is, is kind of what we're, you know, talking about and, and how taking these steps in your life, you know, you've got to work with the genes that you have, but then there's so many things that we have available for right now, at least over the counter (laughs) that can, you know, um, change the trajectory of your life. Like you were saying, like, if you had known about this stuff before your breast cancer diagnosis, how that could have gone such a different way. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, these are things that are actionable. Yep. Yep. Right. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff out there that is not actionable. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm kind of in the camp of if it's not actionable, there's no point in knowing even about it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yep. If there's not a clinical action to be taken. Right. Then and you're just going to you, drive yourself what you, crazy. What are you doing? You yeah. know, what are you doing? Like, for example, you know, I have, you know, I have my grandmother died of Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. I have one of the mutations, like the panels have changed, right? Mm-hmm. So they're a lot more robust now, but right. I have one of the APOE yeah. uh, gotcha. mutations. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, uh, you know, because then they, you know, because I, I get tested. So the panels are constantly changing and the mm. breast cancer inheritance panels are constantly changing. Okay. So about once every two years, all my stuff is run again. Gotcha. My parents both ultimately wound up dying of cancer. They had yeah. their entire genomes tested. Um, and they don't, between the two of them have one single solitary uh, cancer gene. Wow. Not one. Um, and so, so the panels are changing and like the, well, maybe you're more at risk. Well, I figure I am more at risk because (laughs) I have it and my parents have, have now had it. Um, and while I believe that mine and my parents, uh, cancers are actually environmental, it doesn't mean that they're not going to be able to figure that out in the future and be able to say, Hey, if you have some combination of these 50 or a hundred genes, 
then you are more susceptible to these environmental risks. I mean, I'm confident that they will figure that out in the far future, but we're really at the cusp of all of this. Yep. It's like the genes and the microbiome. We're just scratching the surface right now. And and I think it, it holds so much powerful information. Um, this was amazing. This is, I mean, I could talk to you forever. There's so many more things. One thing actually I do want to just quickly cover before we, um, close out, what about other lifestyle things versus, you know, uh, besides changing what you clean with and what you put on your body and that kind of thing, what other lifestyle factors do you think is important when you've had cancer or you cancers in your family? Um, I think those are, I think are, I think there's a big, those are the big ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to get diversionary and start talking about gut health. Right. Um, I think that is really important though. If only, if only to make sure that your gut is able to process the tamoxifen or the aromatase inhibitors or whatever other drug, cause there's a few other ones now mm-hmm. that you may be on for life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, sense. The COMT gene is in these panels. And so that's, you know, the stress gene. So in theory, reducing your stress levels may help with your cancer. But if that were the case, then I'd be long dead. So I, I don't know. <laughs> You're like, I don't buy it. <laughs> I'm not buying that one. I think, I think your body has reserves, you know, yeah. on that, yeah. that are unexplored. You yeah, know. yeah, absolutely. Wow. Well, tell everybody, remind everybody where they can uh, be in contact with you. Oh, so, you know, go to my website, Mm -hmm. betterestrogen.com. It can hook you into my YouTube channel where you can listen to me drone on about this endlessly. Um, (laughs) My email is info at betterestrogen.com. My name is TJ Hills. My book is a quick read. It's sex, drugs, babies, and breast cancer. Because one of the things we didn't spend a lot of time talking about mm. is drugs. Mm. Because mm-hmm. that is the primary excess estrogen that you are going to be exposed to. And it's um, mm. many, many, many multiples of all the xenoestrogens that we were talking about. So are you kind of referring more to prescription drugs or? No, drugs I'm or talking about birth control, birth, infertility, okay. hormone replacement, and bioidentical. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's a big, big topic. Yes, absolutely. And I'm, I, I look through your website and I know you have some information on there about that too, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, absolutely. my, my website, I've tried to, I've tried to streamline it, but there is for those of you who want to, there mm-hmm. is a whole, um, reference area with lots of studies and nice, nice. Well, and the book is always worth getting in my opinion, because it's like, you can go back and reference things all the time, very easily there, you know, so they can get that on your website or Amazon. I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, the website links to everything. Great. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks so much for being here with thank us Thank you today. for having me and thank yeah. you for all the work you do. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm like, it's, it's, fascinating to me how, I mean, just things are so interconnected, right? And it's really about for most of us just cleaning up some of these basic things and having a little bit information on what our body needs, you know? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Easy stuff, but hard stuff. But hard stuff at the same time. Absolutely. Okay. You guys, thanks so much for being here and I will see you next time. 